First, I want to give you a shakarik to my, to my dear friends, to, to Ezra and to Leia, opening up their home. We had Shurim here years ago, and Hashem, the Torah should bring the schus of Torah that they should be simcha, naches, and bracha, and share simchas together. Ezra wrote me note that tonight is his grandmother's yard site, Leia Bas, or Mordechai. So that the learning should be Le'ilui Nishmasa. She was a person that had tremendous appreciation for Torah and loved to go to Shiram, so so I'm sure that, that her that her Nisham is participating in this as well. And we should be able to be by Simchas together. We are we're approaching the, the end of the cipher. And we're up to page one. We started the the last chilek is on a subject that's difficult, and we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about why the, the tzaddik talks about why is it so difficult, and we all know why. We'll see, and it's, he's do, he does this tremendous taiva to, to conclude this part of the journey by helping us finally, after all these years, each of you, to one degree or another, who's been trying to like myself, to, to be better Jews all these years, that we've had a struggle with this particular subject, to understand it, and to be able to use it in a way to grow closer to Hashem, instead of further, God forbid. And the subject is Yira. Uh, it's spelled, uh, I don't have a misspelling, it says Ure'e, but it should be Yira, on page Kuv Beis, right? It says it says also Vav? Oh, also I have the, the first edition, I guess. is Okay. So Yira, now we started this, we just started that, that, that little section, but it's already a long time before you entered, so we'll go over it again. We'll start again. We'll go quickly, and and you'll understand why is it that he wanted Davka to end with this. But there, are, in the meantime, there are eight other volumes of Bilvavi Mishkanah, so they've been coming out at the rate of like one every two months or so. So we have Mitzvahim, have plenty of good things ahead to help to, to understand more of what we've been learning. Can we do this? We're going to go quickly. The foundation of the binyan, of the structure of, a, of an Adam, of a Yid of a Jew, is Yeras Ha'aynish, the fear of punishment. And that's something that we're, we're afraid of that term, the fear of punishment. It's what a child knows in the very beginning. It's what we have all the way, all the way. Even if even if a person wasn't raised in a home that was a God-fearing home, but the fear of punishment is ingrained from the earliest time. In the Svarmakadashim, it's called Yiritata, on the lower level of fear. Lumas Yasarimus, of course, there's a higher level of fear that's called Yira Ilah, to be in awe of the exaltedness of Hashem, which is a higher level of of fear. So we're going to talk now about this Inyan, which is at the which is the basis of our Avodas Hashem, which is the fear of punishment. The first is the fear that that a person has that he'll be punished somewhere beyond this world in some way somehow that that there's punishment that awaits a person who is doing things that are not right. So it's a supernatural, otherworldly punishment. 
and Bez Ainish Khan Ba'ara be a servant of Minayan. And then there's the fear of being punished in this world. That a person's afraid that he's gonna get that he's gonna get in trouble, he does certain things he shouldn't do, he says things he shouldn't say, and that God forbid there's going to be uh, there's gonna be tsaras. There'll be problems, there'll be tsaras. But <clears throat> this is another way that, that God has you know getting back at us, Khasashalam Fawa sins. Let's first speak. Let's speak about the first chelik, the first fear of punishment, which is Yisur Mishamayim Begehanim, the fear of what happens to us after we leave this world. There's a great difficulty that we have in acquiring this fear of the punishments of Gehenim the punishments beyond the world after after 120 there's a there's a, a difficulty in this vushare be'enav enaroyas gehenna she spoke with this last time but we, we never saw it we don't know what that means most of us our our thought about that that reality of gehenna is from some some scary christian medieval painting and stuff like that we don't have any idea of what that means gehenna So how can a person truly be fearful of something he doesn't he doesn't really know? He never saw it, doesn't know what it is. So the nature of a person is that if you don't see something, if you don't know what it is, you can't be afraid of it. If a person would be entirely pure and holy, and he would be a person who is on such a level that he would be worthy that his neshama would be able to see beyond this world, there are tzaddikim like that, whose bodies are so refined that they don't obstruct the vision of their soul, and they're able to see beyond this world. If we would be able to see, if I could see what it was, if I would be on such a level that I would understand, what is it that awaits a person whose life was misled, what is it that awaits him beyond this life? If I could see that, if my neshama would see that, I would know what to feel afraid of, and I and I would I would try to avoid that. Since only a few, very few people, very few people can see such a thing. Very few people see such a thing. Only great great tzaddikim are capable of for that. To be able to to be able to see with their through their nishamas, to be able to see what's happening beyond this physical world. And these people were only able to reach such a madrega, such an amazing madrega. How were they able to come to such a madrega? by the earlier stages that they were God-fearing people and they were afraid of being punished and that brought them slowly, slowly to higher levels of, of fear of God and love of God that eventually they became so pure and so holy that they were able to see what was going on. But no beginner starts in that place. You can't begin your Avedis Hashem by, by getting a glimpse of the next world. You have to go through all of the preliminaries. So it must be that there's a way to acquire a healthy fear of punishment Without seeing the next world. Al Karchach Ainz Aderach Luknais Al Yada Yis Yerusha Einish. 
So obviously Hashem does not expect us to acquire Yerusha'inah's fear of punishment by being able to peek into the next world. Because it's just not available to us. Ubanis Iker Hasagas Yerusha'inah Hu al the truth is that the main ability that we have to awaken within ourselves this fear of punishment is by using our our minds. And each of our minds, we have the ability to imagine, which is the kayach of imagination, of tziyur, which he spoke about earlier in the sefer. That a person is able to be, that a person is able to be mitzayer, he's able to imagine somehow to use the karachatsir of imagination. What is it like in Gehenna? But even then, as I said before, that that what it mostly means is that is that what it mostly means is that we're making mistakes. We don't understand. We don't know what it is. Like they say, Yavul dehayir ulam daaka. Most of us in our generation don't have such a kayak. And we don't know what it means to use our seichel to try to imagine. What does it mean to imagine something that's not physical? Till the person will actually, it'll have a hashpa, it'll have such an effect upon a person to be afraid of punishment. The Kevin says, Since we're very few, there are very few such people that could do that. Therefore, Yerusha'inus is something which is very hard to acquire. When a person, when a person sees somebody standing over him and says, "If you do that, I'm going to give you a patch," so that you could acquire. That's not so hard. You understand? So you try it as all children, as all children do. As all, as all children, as all children do. You, you, you acquire uh, a person knows he'll, a child will experiment will experiment with a, with a, with a, a parent will experiment with a teacher to see how to see how far how, you know what he can get away with but he understands that this is he understands that that, that if I, that I I tried once I got a patch I tried a second time I got a patch the kid will try to maybe to cross the street or to do something he shouldn't do and he understands that the results are usually the results are usually uh, felt in Elam Hazah. He doesn't have to imagine what, what kind of punishment would I get if I would cross the street. Because by the time he turns around, he gets, a whack, so he gets a whack over his head or something. Uh, hopefully on his talk it's not on his head. But he, he, he doesn't have to imagine what the Einish is. He doesn't have to imagine it. Ki on page Kuf Gimel. Ki HaGuf, Advarim. When the body doesn't see something, if a person doesn't experience it, and neshama shiraya, we're not in touch with our neshama that our neshama sees, and neshama is terrified. The neshama sees the possibilities of punishment and is terrified. But the guf, the body doesn't see that. And our minds are very weak. We don't have such an ability to imagine these things. Therefore, what has become a very, very obvious thing in recent years, in the last few generations, because of this weakening of the Koyach that what's happened over recent generations is that most of the Rabbanim, most of the Swarm, don't talk about it much. Very little. Very little.
And if you happen to have, you know, if your if your if your son happens to happen to be, you know, in a place where one of the last holdouts, you know, who's talking about your sinus is there, then it usually doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. Lomasam Hayishasov, there were others who held. Shemin Yisaid binyan havayda ain lozes. How could you not talk, how could you not teach that? How could you not talk about it? That's the most that's the most basic level of a person's of a person's uh, uh, avoiding sin. The most basic level of being a good boy and a good girl is to know that there are consequences that you could suffer from. So how could you not talk about it? How could you not focus on something which is which is such an important basic building block of a person's of a person being an observant Jew? Is that he has to know that that it's not the world's not hefker, and if you do things that you shouldn't do, you're gonna to have to pay. There are consequences for these things. So so these there are others who felt that you can't stop talking. You can't. You have to teach these things. So there are those who have continued, who have, who have persisted, who persist in talking about these in Yonim. Even though the generations are having greater difficulty understanding it. That's why 99% of the time it doesn't work out well. There are those rare individuals who, who somehow can receive it and hear it, but for the most part it doesn't work out. And most of these people who have spent their entire lives trying to trying to frighten the Ilam with Yerushalayim have not been successful in building true Avedis Hashem, true service of God in their listeners, in their in their disciples of Talmidim. But because it's it's just something which the Ilam resists and is not understanding. So the author here, the Tzadik writes that both of these ways are dangerous. In other words, neglecting the entire subject of Yerusha'inish, of fear of punishment, as if there is nothing to worry about and there are no consequences, that's a dangerous path. Because it's a very important, it's a very important olive base in, in the life of every human being. To, to know that he's accountable and to feel that there are consequences for things that he does that are wrong. So to abandon the whole, the whole inyan of Yerushalayimish is very dangerous. On the other hand, on the other hand, the focus on Yerushalayimish in a generation that simply can't understand or imagine what it's about, to focus on that, and to and to create a mahalach in Yiddishkeit using that as it was done in the earlier years, is also very dangerous. Many, many, there are many sacrifices, there are many korbanos, there are many korbanos. If a person tries to skip the whole Indian of Yerusha'inish, and to go move forward without any fear of punishment, he's missing the basis of, of, of being a God-fearing, obedient Jew. So, he could be having a lot of fun, and he, you know, he, might, he might enjoy, enjoy you know, a nice kumzitz, but the kumzis might be like, you know, on Wednesday night instead of a Matzah Shabbos or something. Or the kumzis might be playing the guitar, God forbid, on Friday night. Whatever makes you feel good. What about what about the consequences of, of violating the Shulchan Aruch? Why talk about that and spoil the party? Right? There's nothing to worry about. Everything is just fine. Everything is great. So to be missing that ingredient of Yerusha'inish, where will the person's Yiddish go? 
will a person's avodas Hashem? What will happen to that person? We've seen many kabbalists in that world as well, where there is no yiras where everything is just hefker, whatever makes you feel good, and uh, you know, love God, and so on and so forth. Where does that go? And we know that there are many times in life, many, many times in life, when a person is going through what's called which means means a small level of awareness. You don't feel attached to God. So what exactly is going to motivate you to serve Him and to, and to, and to be a, a, an obedient, law-abiding Jew if there is no fire that's burning in your heart, if you don't love Him? So we know that when, when there is no fire of Ahava, when that love, when the love of Hashem is very, very weak, it's very easy for a person to slip completely away from Yiddishkeit and to lose everything. What's going to prevent this person from sinning, from doing Averis? Which is Makalkal himself, which destroys himself destroys all worlds, destroy people that he loves, and so on. What's to stop him? If his entire, if his entire attachment to, to, to Yiddishkeit is through ahava, through love, and positive feelings, what about those many times in life where he doesn't feel love, and he doesn't feel anything positive? What's going to keep him, what's going to keep him in line then, if not Yerush Ha'inish, if not fear of punishment? If he doesn't have a Kenyan, if he hasn't acquired a strong feeling of Yerush then why shouldn't he sin? He doesn't feel he doesn't feel good about his Yiddishkeit. He's not feeling good about himself. He doesn't feel any any uh, attachment to Hashem is at all. So why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he be Machal Shabbos? Why shouldn't he eat in that restaurant? Why shouldn't he have that uh, girlfriend? Why shouldn't uh, why shouldn't you know, uh, why shouldn't he stop learning Torah? And why should he keep Shabbos? And why should he keep mitzvahs? What's compelling him to do it if he doesn't feel anything in his heart? Or like the Lashon that I always told him, you see people say that this mitzvah doesn't do anything for me. But it, so, what happens when Yiddishkeit is not doing anything for you? As if that's what it was created for. What, what, what happens when Yiddishkeit is not doing something for you? And you see this Lashon by firm people. I've heard it many times from from Shem Shabbos, I don't really know people that not so people that don't know. So Shem Shabbos, people talk like that. Well, I don't know. It doesn't. It's not doing anything for me. So that's like you know you're, you. That's like you were majoring in you're majoring in political science somewhere, and you tried it out for a year and a half, and you say, you know what? It's not doing anything for me. I think I'm going to switch majors. In that world, it could be that that makes sense. Oftentimes, with young people, that also is an Irish kind. But even with physical things, it's because they're just being babies. But sometimes it happens that talk is not for you. But, but when it comes to being a, a Yid, what do you mean? Shabbos is not doing it for you. Davening is not doing it for you. But this whole, this, so what is going to, what is the Shmira? What other Shmira is there? What other way is there to guard oneself? When everything else in your life falls apart and you feel nothing for God, you feel nothing at all, you open up a sit and the words, the words are like poison in your mouth, God forbid. You can't say the words. You can't say the words. And someone tells you, what are you talking about? The Rebbe loves you. Let's learn a little Kedusha Slavi. See how the Rebbe loves you. Ah, don't hack me with that. You don't feel anything. So, it means that Yiddish is not doing it for you. So then what? What's the Shmira? What's going to hold a person that he shouldn't slip during that time, God forbid, into oblivion? 
Well, you're a Sinus. That there's this underlying basic, basic Aleph in his, in his being, which says, you might not feel anything, but you should know that there are consequences for your behavior. And you should know that you have to answer to someone. That's the, that's the sight of a person. That there should be a shmir. On the other hand, On the other hand, the second way is also very dangerous. Meaning what? If there is an overemphasis over a person's Yiddishkeit consists entirely of fear of punishment or even too much or, or a, 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 an inaccurate uh, an inaccurate representation of Yerushalayimish that's very dangerous since Yerushalayimish is very very hard to acquire what happens to a Yid of his entire life he's only trying to what? trying to master the art of being afraid of, of getting punished now that's a big Rahmanus it's a big big Rahmanus on such a person he has no simch, he has no joy in his life. He, he, he serves a God because he sees God standing over him with a hand ready to smack him at every moment. The aside, the aside of American civilization is that fear of punishment. That's what Puritanism is all about. Whoever had the misfortune of having to study those things and read and remembers the, what, what, what life was like among the pilgrims. And, and, and those who, who read a little bit or are familiar with the literature from, from the Eniklach, the, the pilgrims and their Eniklach, their descendants, such as Nathaniel Hawthorne and others, from that Kufla Havdu and Kajl So, everybody, anybody that's ever studied any of that, uh, anybody that's familiar with it knows that, that the Yisoid, the Yisoid of, America, of America's relationship with God is like the famous drosha of one of, of one of the galochim back then. I don't want to say the name of a, of, a, of Tuma. He's a very very famous galoch from that time. And I once mentioned to you, he gave a, he gave a drosha. I remember when I when I studied this when I studied this in college. This drosha, sinners in the hands of a of an angry God. It's a very famous darshan. He darshaned this in a, in a church. It was a very, a very famous drosha. And I remember a sentence that said, "God abhors you." He holds you like a spider over a fire, over a candle. Yeah. Pretty much that was the lotion. And is at any second going to drop you into the into the flame. So I remember thinking, how did that chavik like get up the next morning <laughs> after, after, after hearing a drosha like that? I mean, we've all been through three pretty rough droshas, and I put people through them myself. But but that's really like a hard thing to... To be so then I, I was machazing myself and I said, well, maybe they didn't listen. You know, maybe like they had a kiddush club or something, <laughs> and they didn't they didn't listen because how do you how do you like live through that such a drasha? And this is the sight of American religion. Right, a lot of people came from different places, but but good old fashioned good old fashioned Protestantism in America from the time of the pilgrims was kulai yirasa'inish was entirely fear of punishment. The whole Yisoyed sphere of punishment. America has not recuperated from that. America has not recuperated from that. 
So you have you have a, a, a huge country with millions and millions of people. The vast majority of Americans believe in God. That's what every study indicates. We're one of the most believing countries on earth. But the vast majority is completely non-observant in any kind of serious way. And is, and is carrying on with all kinds of mischief. Because, the, because sin is in the hands of an angry God. And when there's an overemphasis of Yerush HaOinish, and people are not masking what that means, and the whole, the whole religion is fear of punishment, it's obvious that the effects of that are devastating. So what's the kind of person? He's going to be 120 years old. He's going to leave the world with what? He leave the world. His whole life he was trying to be afraid of being punished. So either extreme is very dangerous. Without any yirasayinish, what's going to be? What's the shmir? With with an unhealthy or overabundance of Yerushalayim, a person is paralyzed. A person becomes totally destroyed by that. So therefore, what we've mostly what we've done is to try to avoid the subject. And when it comes down to certain times in life, we do something. Somebody does something which is really really bad. So then, like they 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 they're not sure what to do with that Yerushalayim, and they get scared and they start to perspire and they either they like try to be some friend to give chizuk or to find some you know. Understanding rabbis and the rabbi to say, "Don't worry, it's okay. God still loves you," and somehow to move on. But what do we do with the Yerushalmi? That it should be strong, healthy, and productive. Rashi's he says, "Nas Chilavar will begin to explain." Let's understand what Yerushalmi really is, because unfortunately, it's mostly our understanding is mostly uh, what, what we grew up with. It's very similar to the Puritans. What does it mean, Yosayinish? Klal mutzaku krisha kvar kasav nul el nispar palmen. But you see how he was smart, how he put this at the end of the sefer? He put it at the end of the sefer because he's hoping, as he's been saying throughout, that we're very serious and we're trying to understand and to acquire all of these madregas. And only at the end does he feel confident enough in us that he could talk about this because it's a hard subject. That we're not going to have some kind of a, some kind of a you know, crazy way of looking at it. That we're going to take it in the right way, not to say, oh, I can't believe he's saying this, I can't believe he's but is he bashing me or something? So, he explains, it's a klal, it's a, it's a, a, a very important fundamental basic principle. Krishna Krak Savanak, as we wrote many times, the whole tachlis, the whole yisoid of this sefer is to live every single moment of your life with Hashem. And to see Hashem, to feel Hashem's presence in everything that you do. All we've been learning is, how can this moment of my life, how can this experience, how can this person, this place, this thing, how can it bring me closer to Hashem? How can I be miscarved to Hashem through this? Therefore, consistent with everything we've been learning, it must be that one. It must be that our approach to Yiras Einish has to have has to be with that in mind, and has to be with that as a goal. Also, now normally we associate Yiras Einish, fear of punishment, with a movement away from God, because fear, fear always causes a person to recoil. When you're afraid, if you see if you see a mouse running around, 
you don't, you don't, you're not miscarved to the mouse. And says Shalom Aleichem, you, you see the mouse, you recoil. You see something horrible or disgusting, or like the children say, grossitating. So then you, 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 you recoil. You recoil. So the tenuah, the, the motion of Yira is always away from. It's always a movement away. Ahava, ahava is this garbage. Love means drawing near. Fear means drawing away. So our natural, our natural, instinctive, intuitive feeling when it comes to year is is being afraid and being scared, which is a, which is moving away. This is a big, big, big mistake. It's true when it comes to snakes or cockroaches and things like that. It's true when it comes to scary people in a dark alley stuff. All of that's true. But because our whole understanding of the Bereshit is so unhealthy. And only through learning an entire safe and trying to work on what we've been learning can a person approach Yerush Ha'inish in its true way, what Hashem Baruch meant it to be. Which is what? Only a way of getting close to Hashem. How does that work? So he says, Reishis, with, with the bottom, like on Kuf Gimel, five lines up, six lines up. Reishis, Yesh Limtzei HaKadosh Baruch of Yerush We must find Hashem in this Avayda of Yerush Ha'inish. We have to learn how can we get closer to Hashem through Yerushalayimish. The tachlis of being afraid of punishment, of accountability, is is what is dveikus b'Hashem, is becoming attached more and more to Hakadosh Baruch. So how can we accomplish that? Racious. The beginning, Yeshlis Bainim. One must think at the beginning. Miboras <coughs> Whatever that is, Gehenim. Whatever, whatever that means, that place of punishment after 120, that's called Gehenim. What, who created Gehenim? Where does it come from, Gehenim? The devil created Gehenim? Who created Gehenim? HaKadosh Baruch. The Bainishlam created a thing called Gehenim. Which we don't what, what it means? It means a place where, the, where a person has to, there has to be din. That a person has to has to be held accountable after his life for things that he did that were wrong. Who created such a mitzvah? It's called Gehenim. HaKadosh Baruch who created it. Hare Gehenim, who creates Yitzhiyasa, HaKadosh Baruch. The Barishlam created Gehenim. Now you know most ancient religions could not accept that. There has to be a good God and a bad God. All idolatry, all of Hazar is based upon man's inability to, to live with a normal, healthy to such a degree that people had to create a good God and a bad God. A God of light, a God of darkness. People had, there had to be a religion that would separate between these two gods because it can't be that a good God would, would make such a bad place, right? So therefore, we have to make two gods. And from once you already have a second God, you might, you might as well have one that's in charge of the heating and the lighting and everything else. So then you have a bunch of gods. But the, the origin, the original need for that is that it, it, it can't be that, that a good God should have such a horrible thing called Gehenna. That this should be punishment. Such a thing, such a crazy thing. So in the mail, you make up something new that there's a good God, there's a bad God. And if you and if you attach yourself to the good God, then maybe maybe it'll be all right. And He has to protect you from the bad God. And this whole milchama is going on. Whoever whoever had also the misfortune of studying ancient mythology and knows what kind of what kind of stuff is going on with the gods, 
it's a big, it's a big commotion, big tumult over there with the gods. All these milchamas that are taking place between the different forces in the universe, and 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 mankind was seeking a way out from the terror of Gehenim, and this is very very sad because the irony, of course, of all of that is it made man's life much more terrible. It made that the the dualism splitting up of God into many pieces, good and bad, made life made life much more unbearable made life much more miserable. And the, the whole history of the world has, has been downhill emotionally since that, since that diversion from one God. Who created Gehenim? The Rabbi Shalom created Gehenim. Naisef al-Kaf, the last line, in addition to that, Yesh l'zbrani mimanish b'Gehenim. Now let's see, who, who punishes who punishes a person in Gehenim? The devil? Santa, uh, El, who, who, who is, who's over there, who's in charge of Gehenna? Who punishes in Gehenna? We manage the Gehenna. If you hear Gehenna, the next page, the Gehenna is running on, on automatic something. It goes on its own. Who's in charge? Nothing happens with the whole civil. There's nothing that happens in the world. A leaf doesn't fall in this place. Uh, uh, an ant doesn't crawl across this spot on the earth. It's not for the rebellion. So who's the Balabas in Gehenna? Umani is Atom the Kirk is Atom. You think Gehenna runs on its own? Vade Shalom, of course not. Raka Kadishboro, who Yochid the Miuchid Boyre, Machadish Bechol Regas again. The Creator Himself, who's, who's unique and one, creates and every single second renews the creation of that place that's called Gehenna, of that Mitzias that's called Gehenna. As it says, Yoitzer Or, Lashon Haiva, that Hashem creates light. And it says in the past, Yoitzer Or, Vare Chayshach, Oyser Shalom, Vare Esara, Vare Ra. Hashem creates that. Hashem creates. In the Siddur, we don't say Vare Ra. We say Esakob. The Pasuk says Vare, but they changed it in the Siddur because it caused too many theological problems. But the Pasuk says Vare Ra. Hashem creates the second. That place of punishment. That of Gehenna. This second, every second, the same way he renews everything every second and creates everything every second, Yeshmei from nothing. Every single second, the Rishon is creating Gehenna, Yeshmei That's the Chayshech, that's the darkness. For who, who, Shemam, this is Adam, the Gehenna. And the Rishon is the one who's punishing the person in Gehenna. Kufman. Aten is boy. Now let's, let's think. Why did the Bereshul make such a horrible thing? Why did he make such a... Know, it's not good to use the word place, because then you think like it's a physical place. But he created such a dimension in the oilness, in the worlds. A, a place of punishment, a mitzvah of punishment. Why did, he, why did he create such a thing? Why? It's because he, he wants to get revenge. He wants to hurt people. That's what that's what he did. He wants to he wants to get back at people. Love Allah Hashashon. Hello Bara Hadarva, it's clear. Shirit Sanyas Bharak Shamash and Niya Krav may love. We don't know how this plays out with the other people in the world. It's not it's not our Indian for now. As far as we're concerned. Those who were given the Torah. Why did why does the Bharnish why did he create Ganon? It's certainly not because he hates us. And it's not because he abhors us and he wants to hurt us and he wants to do something bad to us. That's ridiculous. The whole Ratzna of Hashem 
is only one thing. That we should be close to him. But every aveyor that a person does creates a barrier, a wall between him and God. Like the Navi said, Your sins keep you from me. Every Avera, every Avera builds a wall, builds a klipa, a shell that separates a person from Hashem's Baruch. And the Vashem cries because every single Avera thickens that wall. And because of that, the Tachlis of Toiv, the Tachlis of Toiv, which is that Hashem's Baruch wants us to experience closeness to Him. Because that's the greatest Toiv that could be experienced. That Toiv is being obstructed by the walls that we create with our avayas. And when there's this wall, when there's a wall of avayas that prevents a person from being attached, being close to Hashem and attached to Him, one of the means that Hashem created to remove that Mechitza, it's through the punishments of Gan. That Hashem's Baruch knows that this is one of the strongest, most powerful, um, and effective ways of, of removing the Mechitzas between, between a person and between a Yid and a Baruch Shalom. Nimsa, what this means is call Even though we don't know how, but the whole the whole mitzvahs of Gehadim is just a a means of Hashem's Baruch bringing you next to Him. It's all Hashem's Baruch reaching out to the person, bringing the person back, bringing the person back, bringing close to Him. Therefore, what happens like this? If a person just has this fear of, of Gehenim, if a person just has a fear of punishment, in particular that punishment after 120, but he doesn't remember and live with this constant feeling of who is the one who created Gehenim, who is the one that punishes in Gehenim? And why is he punishing in Gehenim? If all you live with is what? Is the knowledge that there's this place where you get beaten and punished. But you don't know who created it, or you know. But you don't live with that thought and that feeling of who created and why did he create it and what's the purpose of a person going through that it's only one thing it's his karvist Hashem is wrong that means the person might talk about Gehenim he might be he might say that he's afraid of getting punished but he doesn't have a hasag of what that is and that's where it, that's when it can become unhealthy and dangerous he doesn't have a hasag of what it is and that's unfortunate what many of the kids picked up in school over the years. We heard a lot of these schmoos and a lot of these drushes and things. That's what we heard. It was only it was the, 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 the punishment. Not, not, not the whole tachlis and who and what and what it means. 
So what's this person afraid of? He's not afraid of God. The fear of God is only for the purpose of being closer to Him, not to recoil and run away. He's not afraid. He's afraid of of he's afraid of get, uh, of the chitzanis of Gehenim, of whatever that means to him, getting burned, getting 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 beaten, being deprived of being with his, with his loved ones, being embarrassed. You know, his whole life being put up on a big screen in front of all of his teachers and rebellion and so on and so forth. Whatever that has sagah that a person has, you know, it could be old-fashioned, more up-to-date. But but whatever that sagah is, that's, that's what he's afraid of. And that's the whole that's the whole year that he has. So what's the, what does that do? He could, he could never ever reach in his life the tachlis, the purpose for which this fear was created. God created this fear in us. The Rebbein Shalom created such a pachat that we should have. He wants us to have a pachat in a healthy way, the way that we're learning. He wants us to have that. So the person's fear is just the chitzayinus, although he's going to say that that also is something. No, no. That also can keep a person from, in a certain way, from, from doing wrong things. But the tachlis of, uh, of the pachat, the tachlis of yosayinus is, is only closeness to the Rebbein Shalom. All of our sagas, our sagas, unless a person, unless a person works so much on what we are learning the whole safe on dveikas b'Hashem, and and trusting in Hashem's love, and trusting that the whole tachlis is that he should be attached to us, it's very hard for a human being to, to to believe in this. You know, it's like if you, it's like when a parent tells the kid the father's about to the the, the, the kid was caught doing something terrible, and the father's gonna is about to give it to him, and the father says this is gonna hurt me more than it's gonna hurt you. So the kid always thinks. <laughs> it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt you more. It's going to hurt me. The kid doesn't believe it. But a, 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 but a parent, then, is I'm not talking about some crazy person, but a, a, a loving Jewish parent. That's of course that's true. Well, so sure, of course it's true. Nobody knows that. And and, and, and when the child, so, so you try to find hechetim so that the child shouldn't have to get that punishment and he, that it should work out because it does hurt. It does. It does hurt. <clears throat> but that's our hasaga. The Rosh says so. A person can be cynical about this also. A person's like, if a person doesn't have that relationship with Hashem, which we've been working on throughout this, year, a person could be cynical and say, "You're telling me that this is a way to get that they should get close to me. Maybe that has to do with, with hurricanes and earthquakes and Holocaust also. That there should be a scarvist. You have a funny way of getting people you know, to love you, right?" Person could be cynical. It could become cynical. I once mentioned in Shul, it's not because then if some of the some of the old timers you might remember there was when we were kids we used to watch the Little Rascals. You remember that show? So, so one of the most I once mentioned this one of the most memorable things. You know, it's very hard to forget Narishkeit. You forget. <laughs> you can forget in five minutes. But uh, so you know, this is a maestro from 40 years ago. But I remember that I remember there was that there was the, you know the, there was the little the little black kid, and and I remember that that what was his name? Buckwheat. Yeah, yeah, Buck Buckwheat. <laughs> so you remember that little? They never showed parents, right? They never showed. It was a very interesting. The whole thing was interesting. They never showed parents. Then it says there was there was the nakudas of of, of Ra, right? There were big nakudas of Ra in that whole thing, 
And one of it was to be the beginning of the elimination of parents, which is a process that's been going on for a long time now. Mm-hmm. But but there were no parents, and 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 all there was once he did something very very bad, Bakri, and and it was the last thing that he was on his father's is on his father's lap, and his father was holding up some some his hand to give him mamish, to give him mamish a beating on the back, and Bakri anticipated this. He knew he knew his father, so he put some very sharp metal thing in his pants. And the last thing in the back of his question, the last thing he said is, is that his father said, "Boy, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you." <laughs> and the last thing you see, Buckley looking at says, "Sure will, sure will." So when when you, when a person grows up, when a person grows up not believing, when a father says it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, or when a mother says, when a mother says, I, you know. My mother says, I, 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 I don't want to deprive you of this. I want you to have everything. And the kids don't buy it, I don't believe it. You want me to have everything? So then give it to me. No, you have to earn it. Well, it has to be yes, I know. Yes, yes, you have to do this, you have to do that. So the, kid, the, and the kids become cynical. But they don't trust in the Rosh They think, my father also says these Lashanis. My mother says, yeah, I love you so much, I love you so much. That's why I'm sending you to school. So kids, the kid doesn't understand. He's sending you to school. If you love me, then how can you, how can you want me to go away from you? This is a punishment, no? So you say, no, it's not a punishment. You go to school, then you learn how to, you learn a lot of things that will be very good for you in life. Do you think any kid's massacred at all? Any child that ever went to school, first grade, I remember still how, I remember still how upset I was. And I had to go with a tag on my, like, like, uh, like from the Mulcham, I had to wear a tag, <laughs> said my name on it. And the only thing is I had this one cousin, so the two of us, like, were crying together. And it goes, I remember it's like, mamish like yesterday. And I didn't understand, like, my mother loves me so much, and she's always kissing me, hugging me, and then she, like, sent me off into this place. And, and the teachers were like, you know, now you have some of these young teachers, they smile a little bit, you know, you have some of the, some of the mothers, they're pretty, they're, we had, like, all, it was all a mamish, a pachet from Gehenim, everything. They were banging, the lady, the, the, the mother, the men, they was all, everybody was angry, everybody was angry. We walked in, it was like, no, like, you know, there was one, there was one principal that, like, spoke to us nice. Everybody was all, it was all, it was all just from the first minute, it was all terrible. It was just terrible. So who forgives a parent for that? Because the, so the parents say, what are you talking about? Oh, Imamullah, this is so good for you, I'm doing you the biggest taiva. I'm doing you the biggest taiva. Like, what kind of taiva is that? A taiva means you give me an ice cream. A taiva means you give me a kiss. A taiva means something like that. I never heard. I never heard that such a taiva that a person should should throw somebody out of the house and put him with nasty people. And and, 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 and what kind of a taiva is? That? How do you? So, so whether we realize that the yidim of Allah yidim, you can become cynical. The Chavos Hatamidim spoke about that in the beginning. It used to be that children's parents that that children trusted that their parents loved them, and children trusted their parents knew what was best for them. But that's been shipped away at over the past 50, 60 years very, very much in Western civilization. It's been shipped away very, very stark. When I meet the Svad, the Shikib, now the Svadim are already Americans, the ones they already here, the Persians are already, the Svad and the Syrians, they're here already for a long time. But I remember, I remember 25 years ago when the Svadim came, when they were coming after the revolution, when the Svadish, when the Persians were coming, it was murdering. I never saw such a thing. How the, the, the ahava for a parent and the feeling of trust in a parent that Western civilization made kids cynical. Cynical. The parents are no good, they know that they're trying to hurt me, they're out to get me, the teachers are out to get me. The Swadisha before America got to them, the Swadisha have that they had that taste of, of trusting a, a parent, a grandparent, 
They know everything. They know what's best. They trusted them. That's the tzur my father described to me, how it was in Europe. Not by everybody, but by my father's house and my mother. That description that was... But that's... The Chavis Talmudian writes at the beginning of the piece, that's in the house. That was already before the Mulchama. That was already getting very, very shaky. So when, when you hear such a thing, the Divine Shalom, who created Gehenna, the Divine Shalom? Why did he create Gehenna? He created him because he loves you. He created Gehenna because he wants to be near you. It's because there are things that are in the way of that nearness, of that closeness. And, and, and the Divine Shalom knows that this way, is a, that this is one of the ways, and it's a very chosh of a way of getting rid of those mechitzas that otherwise would take you 10,000 years, that the mechitzas should go away. Ten, it could take 10,000 years. But instead... You can get you can get for for five minutes a patch, and and that it's possible somehow to clear away a lot of the walls and and to make the wall not so thick. So the Baruch Shalom knows that he does that because it is a havah, because of his love. But for an American to hear such a thing, it's the only way that you could show me that you love me is if you let me do what I want. You understand? The only way that you could prove that you love me is if you let me have everything. Give me, let me have. Then I'll know that you love me. And then the sad thing is. Those kids that, that, that where the parents fell for that business, those are the kids that are most convinced that their parents despise them. I hear this all the time. I tell the kids. <clears throat> the kid, the kid the other day told me this. That my father knew that I was going to hate this yeshiva. He wanted me to go to yeshiva because he hates me. I'm thinking, every single thing in this. I know this father. I know this kid. This father gave this kid everything. He gave this kid everything. There wasn't anything that this kid wanted that the father didn't give him, that the mother didn't give him everything. And what's his maskana? What's the conclusion the kid reached? My father sent me to yeshiva knowing that I would be miserable. He he hates me. So here, you could have saved a lot of money on all the tchotchkes for the last last 18 years. (laughs) Every single thing that came out, he was the first kid in the world to get it. Everything was the first kid in the world to get it. And And the conclusion is my parents, my father especially, hates me. Hates me. What does he hate? What are you talking about? What does he hate you? He hates me. So, so what do you think he hates you? He, 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 he gave you a choice of what yeshiva you should... He gave you a choice which yeshiva to go to. So then this is what the kid tells me. That's why he hates me. Why doesn't he tell me? Why doesn't he help me and show me which is the best yeshiva for me? So he can't win. So this father thought that he's being like the nicest father in the world. Every other father says, go to this yeshiva, go to this yeshiva. This father said... Go to whatever yeshiva you like. I want you to be happy. The kid goes to yeshiva. It wouldn't have worked in any yeshiva for him. That's just that's a problem inside. But he went to the yeshiva. He was there for right away a few weeks. Fight. This mushkiah is no good. The regular is no good. The guy is no good. Everybody's bad. No good. And he's angry, angry. I said, what are you so angry about? My father. What does your father do? My father let me go to Why did he put me in this yeshiva? I said, he didn't put you. He gave you a choice. He told me. He said, he shouldn't. He should have put me into the better yeshiva. So this is the cynicism and the distrust that it's a poison that that has made Yiris Ha'inesh, that has made anything critical. You know, nowadays, if, you, if there's anything that's said to a child by way of criticism or by way of accountability to a child now, you're lucky if the kid doesn't call the police. There are kids that do that. If you say something to, to criticize a child... Can't, they can't say. They can't say. And, and <clears throat> so when it comes to Yeris Ha'inesh, it's so hard that first the person has to believe one million percent in, in all that we're learning that the Rav Shalom is only Ahava, 
and the tachlis is that he wants to be close to you. And therefore, anything, if there's such a thing that's called Gehenim, it's only for that tachlis, of him being close. And that you have to go through that in order that there should be, in order that there should be that, his carvis, that closeness. That's what he's explaining. And if not, then the person then, then the person's missing the entire point. Then the person's missing the entire point of what's of what's the of why why is there what does it mean you're saying this? The bottom of the page. Okay, sure, just listen a little bit. Kishem shiyesh es The same way. The same way that there's the punishment of Gehenim, there's also that Hashem wants us to be afraid of that punishment. Why does Hashem want us to be afraid? Being afraid is always something that's negative. We always associate fear with something negative. Being afraid is a negative feeling. None of us like to feel afraid. So why does Hashem create such a fear? And why does He, why does he want us to be afraid? But Hashem takes pleasure in scaring people. He wants people to be afraid. It's obvious that it can't be. The whole tactless of, of, of man's life is to be close to Hashem. And God forbid when a person goes against Hashem, when he disobeys Hashem's will, it creates this barrier, this wall between him and Hashem. Hashem created this thing called Ganem. And that man should be afraid of it. So he won't get far away from Hashem. It'll keep him in line. He'll be a smear with it. He'll stay. He'll be a good boy and be a good girl. And they have an ice that he won't get far away from Hashem because of his affairs, because he'll remember what the, there's an Einish. And there's no tachlis. The tachlis is not that you should be afraid. Hashem has no tachlis in fear. Fear is not a good thing. He doesn't want fear for the sake of being afraid. God forbid. It's the same way you want your kid to be afraid of the highway. You want your kid to be afraid of, 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 of cars. What, that's the tachas, your kid should be afraid? No, the tachas is your kid should be safe. That's the tachas. So you'd be able to spend 120 years loving your children. That's the tachas. When the kid thinks you're not letting me play, how can you punish me? But that's the tachas, not to be afraid. The tachas is to stay in the right place. Shal Yodah, the whole purpose of the Pachad is that through the Pachad, Adam lo Yisrachik Mibarah, that a person shouldn't drift away from God. Yisrael Yisrael, he should be close to him. Ninto Shema Adam Yisrachim in a Gehenim greater. If a person is only afraid of Gehenim, because the whole thing, the Pachad is, he's afraid, just fear. Like the kid's just afraid of this, or afraid of that. It doesn't remember why, why did Hashem want me to be afraid of this? Because he loves me. Because he wants me to be close to him. The main thing is missing. What we're learning now, he says, a very, very basic point. Think about how we've gotten this wrong all the years. There is is no self-perpetuating purpose in fear and in punishment and in suffering. It has no independent existence. There is no God of evil. 
There is no dark side. There is no tachlis to evil itself. There's no tachlis to suffering. There's no tachlis to be afraid of suffering. It's only one tachlis. Hiskarvis Lashem. To be close to the Baruch And it doesn't mean that you feel close. But it means being close. Because you have a person who eats in the Ankipity, he feels close to God. That's not the point. It's being close to God. And being close to God is only when the, when the, when the Averis are removed. Being close to God is when the wall that separates between you and God, which are the Averis, is removed. You might not feel close to it, but that's being close. And the Tachlis is to be close to God. That's the Tachlis. How to feel that? That's not valuable learning. But to, ta- but to be close. And not to delude yourself to think that feeling close is being close. It might have nothing to do one with the other. You might feel like you're close, like I said, and you're sitting there playing the guitar on Friday night. You feel close, and you have your eyes closed, you're seeing It's nothing. You're getting further away. Nimtsu Shakasha, Adam Amaliknais is Yerusainis. So when a person works hard to try to acquire true Yerusainis, a healthy and real Yerusainis, Rashis, the beginning of that is. For whom am I afraid? Am I afraid of punishment? Am I, am I afraid of being afraid? Or, am I, or is it because I'm fearful of, of being further away from, from, from the Rebbeinah Shalom? Am I afraid of Gehenna or am I afraid of Hashem? Shemanish Gehenna was the one, it's him, it's only Hashem, punishes. Of course we're afraid of the Einish. But what's the Tachlis? Is to remember Mihamanish, to remember the one who's who doing the punishment. There's a very deep thing. And one must constantly remember what's the tachlis, what's the point of being afraid? It's not Sholem, God forbid to ever ever be afraid. Sadly, a lot of the shmuz and a lot of the talks and speeches that the kids heard and that we heard growing up about Yira didn't take it to that point. So it was just being afraid. It was just the punishment, and not and not the tachlis and what what it means. It was just that. It was just the year without the tachlis of the year, and that's why so many of, of the old school are, are shocked. How come? How come? How come this boy went away from Yiddishkeit after hearing so much tyra from me? Where every single word that the kid heard was like poison to him, and he ran away. And how come every single? I don't understand. I spoke to him. So, so, I, so, I said to him such nice chazals, and I, I made the psukim so good how it worked out, and he doesn't understand. How come the kid ran away? Because when you're afraid, you run away. Because you're afraid, you run away. It's a natural instinct. When you're afraid of something, you run away. But when a person understands that every single second, with one hand, the Rebbein Shalom is going like this, with two hands, with his arm, he's pulling you next to him. So then, then you could hear a criticism, you could hear a year signage, you could, you could be afraid, you could be criticized for something that's wrong. You don't have to run away. You don't have to run away. If you trust in, the, in Hashem's Baruch's love, and that the tachlis of everything is that he wants you with him, then then you could take you could take a patch, you could take some criticism, you could take some some pachad being afraid. You don't you don't run away, but we're so fragile, we're so fragile. It's just anything that anything that's the slightest bit that smells of something to be afraid of, then everybody runs away because we don't trust the Baruch and that that's something we have to work on to build up. Mitzvah, we'll talk more about it next time.